I know I wrote a book, right? It's called Buy a Game and it's free. Click the link down there, you got it. Pivot spin. So I'm jab stepping to my right, and as I jab right, I'm gonna cross over jab to the left and then spin. Watch how I'm pivoting on my left toes, and notice how my left toes do not leave the floor when I do that pivot spin move. So the most important thing here is you gotta balance yourself and you gotta maintain that pivot foot. My toes stay on the floor even though I do that pirouette move as I do that complete turn and circle. Those toes never leave the floor, so you gotta make sure those stay down, otherwise. If they drag at all, then you could be called for a violation. Then I'm going to counter that. Instead of doing a pirouette, I'm jab-stepping one way, driving to the basket, then another move out of this counter. So I'm showing you different options. A quick behind the back. Now I'm jabbing pirouette, back through dribble, then finishing at the basket. So you're seeing all these different options I'm doing here. Jab-step, attack, spin move, then finishing in the basket area. Missed that shot. And that's a jab step. Now I'm going through the legs, one dribble, and a quick little floater here. All different options. Jab step, attack, spin move. There's that shot again. Now I'm knocking it down. These are all different options out of that same jab step move. You got to work on all these skills so you got different choices. Work on your game. Fellow teammates, welcome to another episode of the Move Swiftly podcast. I am your host, Aswan Crookshank, the founder of Gym 44 Recruiting and author of Swiftly, Your Guide to Innovative Teamwork. Teammates, 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 as always, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for tuning in. I, I love starting these. I always have to start these off by telling you guys how much I appreciate you. We're over a year into this podcasting journey now, and it has been, we've had some excellent, excellent guests. And today I'm here with yet another excellent guest, the author of an unprecedented 27, I'm not stuttering, I said 27 books. Mr. Dre Baldwin, a.k.a. Mr. Dre All Day. What it do, bro? I'm doing excellent, Oswan. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. And just, just before we even get started, I got to tell everyone out there, again, if you're not on Clubhouse, you're missing out. Because the last couple of guests that I've had, I've, I've gotten the opportunity to first hear them speak, listen to what they got going on, read a few of their books, read a few of their, just do your research on the brand before you start approaching people with whatever your idea is. And that's, that's exactly the way it happened. It's been, what would you say, about three or four weeks now where I've just been kind of taking in a lot of the information, a lot of content that Dre's been putting out there. So just, just something that you guys should be listening to. All right, so Dre, to get things started off, what, what really struck me with, with all the things that I've done kind of a lot of research on you is that you started out as a, at a division three school. All right. And I remember coming sure. up, I graduated in 2007. I remember just hearing that word D3, playing D3 and just looking at it like, nah, I ain't going to do that. <laughs> I ain't going to do that because you get looked at right. like, you know, D3 is the lowest level. However, you played at a division three school and after you were finished, you still maintain, obviously you maintain a great deal of aspirations. You still had high expectations for your career and your life and things like that. So can you just speak on how you were able, first of all, where you played and things like that, but how you were able to maintain 
such a, a great deal, so many aspirations after, even though you were playing at such a low level school? Yeah, man, I think one of the best things about me being able to do that, Osman, was that I, I was ignorant of how it wasn't supposed to happen. You know, I was ignorant of the fact that playing at a D3, I wasn't supposed to make it to the next level. And hmm. I mean, I knew a little bit. I understood D1, D2, D3, but there wasn't so much information out there of people just talking about, well, yeah, I only played D3 or I only played D2. I graduated from college in 2004. So the internet existed, but it was nothing like it is now. We didn't have social media. So even though there were websites and stuff like that, you couldn't just connect with any human being. So you didn't hear everybody talking about uh, how little opportunity they had or how much the odds were stacked against them. Even though I had an idea that they were stacked against me, I didn't have so much information to feel like it would be impossible because I didn't have all these people kind of um, indoctrinating me with that idea. At the same time, I knew that as long as I got my opportunity on the court, that I could get a chance that I could prove myself. I just wanted a chance to prove myself on the court. Now, if I went on the court and got my ass kicked by some players who were better than me, then I would say, you know what? All right, they're just better than me. I'm not going to be a pro because the guys who are pros are definitely on a different level. But when I got on the wow. court with guys who are pros and or as aspiring pros, I held my own. I did more than hold my own. I was one of the best players on the court at the first exposure camp I went to. It was like a job fair for ball players. And when I went there and did my thing, I'm like, okay, I can play professional basketball. So I kind of already mm. knew that because I had played against D1 guys before. In college, we used to ride around and play against other players at D1 campuses and D2 campuses because the competition on our campus wasn't that good. So I already knew what <laughs> now, I was what, capable well, of doing. Before, what uh, what school was it again? Penn State Altoona in Altoona, right, Pennsylvania. Right, because you, so. you grew up in Philly, correct? Correct. Right, right, right. And then so you guys would go play other Division One schools? <laughs> Are you serious? Well, not officially, not <laughs> right, right, our right. season wasn't against them. Mm -hmm. We are, were in a D3 campus, but when the season was over, for example, mm -hmm. we, wouldn't, we wouldn't see any of our teammates anymore because these guys are not serious ballplayers. So you got to understand that a D3 school, most athletes understand that this is the end of the road for them, college, because yeah. they're, they're good enough to play college, but they're not like um, any athlete who's trying to play pro is trying to go to a, a D2 or a D1, ideally, D2, maybe if they had to compromise, but nobody's going D3 or you're trying to go pro. So these players are playing just because they're good enough to make it, but they know that their career professionally is going to be somewhere other than sports. But right. me and a couple of my teammates, we just all happened to be there at the same time for different reasons, but we all had aspirations of going pro. It was about five of us with pro aspirations. And then by the end, it was three of us who were serious about it and you know, did enough of our schoolwork and all of that to actually, you know, keep trying to make it happen. So when the season ended, we didn't see any of our teammates. They wouldn't come to the gym to play pickup because the season's over. Now, what do they have wow. to keep playing for? Because it's over. Wow. You know, their careers <laughs> are done. Wow. So we, we wanted to keep playing. So we're like, damn, all right, how can we get some competition? Because no, we can't even play five on five because we don't have 10 people. So yeah. mom, we're, we're in Altoona, PA. So people don't know the geography of Pennsylvania. But anyway, the main campus of Penn State, State College, was where the football team and all that is. It was only mm -hmm. 45 minutes from Altoona. And one of my teammates, my man, Brandon Battles, his the girl he was dating at the time went to the main campus. And she told him, like, yo, they play basketball up here in the building up here every day. Why don't you yeah, just yeah, come go. up here and play? Because there's plenty yeah. of people. So we used right. to go up there and play. And mind you, here's how it started, Oswan. Right. We would go to the, they called it the intramural building. 
right? I mean, mm-hmm. you went to college, right? So you know intramurals is yeah. like- I went to uh, Stony Brook, actually. I was uh, near the- like, Okay, near perfect. Near. Right. So it's like the students playing against the students. This ain't like yeah. no serious, no pro players. But we would go into that building, but the building would always be packed because Penn State's main campus has like you know, 60,000 people. So it's always somebody in there playing. So we would go in there and play and we would have on our practice jerseys from our campus. So these dudes are looking at us because we're in their ball in, and they're like, all right, these guys look like they can play, but who are they? We never seen them before because we're not from their campus. Yeah. So what happened is every week, every Friday, we would go up there and play. And wow. each week, more and more people kept coming in there to play against us because they were start getting around like, yo, these three black dudes got on these <laughs> practice jerseys from a different campus and they look right. like they can play and they ain't here balling. So, so the first day it was, it was a few guys in there. Then the next week, the same guys from before, but then they had like six guys with them. Then the next week they had like 10 guys with them. Then the next week it was like all the black people from campus was in the intramural building because we had been in there playing there ball. So they just kept coming. And then here's what happened. The, the men's basketball team, they start coming in there to play against us. The women's basketball team start coming in there. And here's why that is significant, because when you're at a D1 campus like Penn State, you don't have to go in a building with the regular students. You got access to a gym that nobody else can come in. If you don't want if you don't want to deal with them, you don't ever have to. Yeah. They came in there to play pickup with the regular students. One of the reasons was because these random dudes from a different campus are coming up here, running the gym. And they don't even go here. Like we can't let them run our our turf, you know. So they start coming. There so you that's go. How we right, got that right, experience. Right. right. And then uh, there was another campus called St. Francis. They are D one also, but a, a lower D one. I've heard of them actually. Yeah, I heard of them. Right. St. Francis, PA. So it was one in New York and it's one in PA. So PA's St. Francis was thirty five minutes from Altoona. We would go play with them. There was mm-hmm. a D two uh, Pitt Johnstown, which was about an hour away from Altoona. We would go play with them. So we would just go play wherever we could find a game. And we just started getting our name known because they're like, yo, these boys from Altoona just be showing up to people's gyms, playing pickup with whoever. And that's how mm-hmm. I really started to get my, I got, that experience was better than my actual regular season experience at a D3 school, believe it or not. And well, how, would, how important would you say were those guys that you were with, those teammates? Because, you know, me, I'm all about teamwork. Oh. I'm all about teammates and things like that. You just speak mm-hmm. on the importance of having them with you as you were continuing to keep those aspirations up, because I'm sure it would have been difficult for you if you, again, none of your teammates would have did that with you. Oh, that was the <laughs> huge, the hugest part of the whole thing. That's even a word. Right. Because uh, my teammate, uh, Brandon Battles, he was the leading scorer on our team. And he's the one who was the, he was kind of the plug for the state college because he was dating the girl who told us about that gym. We didn't well, know what was happening Shout out to her, until, first of all. Shout out to her. I, yeah. I, I got to give her a shot. Exactly. So. <laughs> yeah. So he's not dating her no more. But anyway, right. yeah, he, that girl was the one who told us like, yo, y'all should come up here because they always play ball up here. So that was number one. If I didn't know him, I wouldn't have known about it. And number two, my man, Wes Pfeiffer. He's a, a D2 head coach right now in college basketball. He played overseas as well. He's the one who knew people at St. Francis, the other D1 school. And since right. he was cool with them, because one of the girls on the girls team there, they knew each other from back home. And she told him like, yo, why don't you just come play pickup with the guys here? Because they always play pickup. So he was the plug to that. So I didn't know people at these campuses, but they did. And they're like, yo, mm-hmm. let's go to these places. And that's how I got to make those connections. So it's kind of like, you know, somebody and they know somebody. And now you know them. You know, so right. That's, and the work, but you were willing to put in the work it. too. 
because I, I want I want right. people to really understand that he was already willing to put in the work. However, the the doors open because certain people knew certain people. But there's so many people now who just have connections and they think things are just going to happen. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't happen like that. And, and, and what I really want people to take right. away is the fact that he was already internally ready to put in the work. And that that really leads me into like, you know, what I wanted to talk talk to you about in terms of your post-playing career now you can get into a little bit about how it ended I mean I'm pretty sure if you got out there you could still ball a little bit but this term now you I've read one of your books the mayor motivation I'm going to be getting some more but based on keeping up with you this term work on your game I don't even the word is like coined because of you at this point can you just go in a little bit about well first of all you know how you were able to develop as a writer and a speaker because I'm telling you not too many people make that transition from vision three basketball player going out for the NBA and things of that nature but now it's like books TED talk speaker you know talk to us talk to us Drake Man, you're well, you're 100% correct. And you know, the big thing, Oswan, is a lot of athletes don't understand what it takes. They don't understand that it's a whole other career and that you're starting at zero when you step out of sports and you want to step into the business world because the people that you're looking to work with and maybe compete against, they've been doing business the whole time you've been playing ball. So you're a rookie and they are, they might be a 10 year vet, even though you're the same age, right? Y'all might both be 35, but they've been in the game 15 years and you're new. You have, you've done nothing and you have to do the work. And I, a lot of athletes, I think coming out of sports, this is something I say all the time. And you could tell me if you agree. And sometimes athletes get annoyed with me when I say it, but playing sports is relatively easy compared to being an entrepreneur. Because when you're an athlete, a professional athlete, your long days at work are about four hours of work, maybe two Mm -hmm. hours of practice in the morning, two hours at night. That's it. As an entrepreneur, I could literally work 24 hours straight and not be done. And it's that is something that a lot of athletes, when you step out of sports, you're used Mm -hmm. to working two to four hours a day. And that's hard work. And you get a ton of recognition for it. In the business world, you could work 16 hours and get nothing for it. You might not even your product might not even sell. So. Well, you know, it's not that I I agree with what you're saying, but I got to add a little more because I I resonate with Mm -hmm. that feeling. When I first graduated, I wanted to coach in the NFL. You know, that was my dream. And that's what I was telling everyone I was going to do. And I would I grew up in in Maryland and D.C. area and I would go to the Reds, the then Redskins. I would go to their camp, uh, the training camps and try to rub shoulders with certain coaches and things of that nature. And you know what I would see, Drake? I would see little little white boys. I hate to put it like a racial term, but little white boys who are being ball boys, you know, little like young kids who are coaches' sons who are getting that mm-hmm. experience and getting those internship opportunities. And they, you know, right. these are the kind of guys I play with, but I'm thinking like, man, if I had that when I was done playing, I would already know the people. You know what I'm saying? So it kind of piggybacks right. a little bit what you're saying, but it, it just, it's mind boggling, but, but go ahead. I just have to kind of add that in. Yeah, so it's being willing to do the work up front, especially if you're looking to step into entrepreneurship, because yeah. as an entrepreneur, there's no ceiling to how much money you can make, but there's also no floor, right? You can make zero. So oh, man, Jesus, is... ain't that right, dude? I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so the in the business world, I mean, you got to eat what you kill, whereas in the sports world, you have a contract, you get paid X amount, as long as you want a team, they owe you money, no matter whether you win the game or not. And the business world is not like that at all. And you got to be willing to do the work to build the foundation. So the thing with me, here's how I got, I was unlucky and lucky at the same time, Oswan, was that 
since I came out of a D3 school, you know, I don't have this great pedigree for basketball. So every time one of my contracts ended, I had to, I wasn't sure when the next contract would come, you know, because in hmm. overseas basketball, a lot of times your contracts are year by year. And so you just, so you just started trying out overseas right after college? Uh, one year gap. So my first year one I worked year. at Foot Locker. I worked at Bally Total Fitness, a fitness gym, selling memberships. And then I went to Exposure Camp and I got on that summer. So one year removed from college. That's when I got started. Got it, got it. 2005. But there were times when I didn't have a contract. And I mm-hmm. remember I was maybe in my mid to late 20s at one point. I didn't have a contract. I went the whole season without a contract. And I asked myself a really important question that if I projected my life out for the next five years, what does it look like if it keeps going like this? And I didn't like the answer. So I asked myself a really important question. The question was this, how can I combine the thing that I'm pretty good at, which is basketball, something that I enjoy that has opportunity, which was computers slash the internet and making money. How can I combine those three things? Basketball, the internet, money. And the answer to the question, now mind you, this is around 2008, 2009 that I'm having this conversation with myself. And the answer was invest more into this, this thing you have on the internet. People kind of know you, you got these videos out, people are kind of feeling your, your perspective and the way you talk about stuff. Mind you, this is before we were even using the phrase, I'm not sure we were even using the phrase social media yet. There were no influencers, no content marketing, putting content. What year, on was, what year was this was not, again? 2008, 2009. Nope, not even, not even. This was like yeah. just hitting Facebook. Like MySpace. Just starting, been, right. I think so. Yeah. Right. Yeah. MySpace was the thing. That was the, that was the place. I, I used to meet girls on MySpace. And yeah, then likewise, 2008, uh, yeah. right. So <laughs> 2008 was when Twitter came out. It came out around the same time that, you know, uh, Obama got elected. I remember this around November right. 2008. Or at least that's when I found out about it. And that's when I really started investing more into, all right, let me put a YouTube video up every day. Mind you, this is just basketball related stuff. Or let me write more content on this website. And that was my website, dreallday.com. So I still have to this day. And I remember telling a friend of mine, like, look, I don't know what to call this whole thing that I got on the internet, but I can, t- I can see the energy that was around it. And I said, this is going to be bigger for me than basketball. I knew it. I knew it wow. more than 10 years ago. This is going to be bigger because... You can't play sports forever. I don't care how good you are. Eventually, that ball will stop bouncing. But if you're using your mind, you're selling your intellectual property, which is what I was doing on the internet way before it was cool. You could do that forever. So I knew this was going to be bigger for me than sports was. So that's why I started investing into it. And the only reason I was able to invest into it and had the thought to invest into it as much as I did is because I was jobless in professional basketball at the time. So because I didn't have a job, I started focusing on building my brand, but then I got another job playing ball. So now I got two things going on at the same time. So I was kind of lucky that way. Right, because you were seeing things from the bottom up. You know, I exactly. like much like you, I worked at a lady fo- foot locker as well because I was trying to sell mm-hmm. gym memberships as well. I was working at LA Fitness. And a lot of people don't understand is when you see things literally from that place, it's like there's nothing you because we're as athletes when you're around just regular people. See, the, the issue with a lot of these division one guys and I, I played at Good Council where, you know, we got so much NFL talent, so many NFL players out there. The problem with them is sometimes they don't really see like the little guys that can't really resonate with how someone is seeing it from just a regular nine to five. So that that story in terms of, of the basketball plus Internet plus money. How did, you know, where did work on your game come come about? Where did it become like the thing that you put on shirts and logos and things like that? Yeah, so that happened about a year later. So I played in, so I had that conversation with myself around 2008. I went and played in Germany. 
I remember I was in Germany like three days before Christmas, 2008. And my agent was, I had a German agent and he was negotiating, negotiating, trying to get me on his team in Ireland. And then the team in Ireland decided they weren't going to sign anybody. So my agent was like, all right, you might as well just go home for uh, Christmas. So I went home for Christmas. In January 2009, I'm in a 24 hour fitness. This is about four uh -oh. o'clock in the morning. Uh oh, <laughs> and, there we go. <laughs> yeah, I'm in there at four o'clock in the morning by myself. I have my camera with me now. Mind you, this is the days when the cameras wasn't on the phones. I mean, you had a, a picture camera, but not the video camera. So I had an actual camera and my phone. And I'm finishing up a workout and I'm just thinking about all the questions because players were asking me all these questions in the comment section on YouTube. Because at this time, I'm like the only guy putting basketball workouts on the internet. And they're all asking hmm. the same questions. Can you give me some tips? Can you give me some help? Can you give me some advice? And I'm like, these players keep asking the same questions. Like, what's their problem? So after I finish my workout, I turn my camera on. I just start talking. This video is still on YouTube. It's only about two minutes long. And I say to the players on camera, I'm saying, listen, all of y'all are asking me for help. But I want y'all to understand something. I want you to look at me and look what I'm doing right now. I'm in the gym. Just finished the workout. And look at you and look at what you're doing. You're on YouTube watching videos. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't know where you're going. So, yeah. right, so what you need to do is uh, you need to, I told him, like, close out this video. Don't even finish watching it. Stop watching Xbox. <laughs> stop standing on the corner and go work. Hey, can we curse on here? I don't know if you curse on your show. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Okay. As I said, you need <laughs> and to I'm go looking at your hat too. I already know where you're going. <laughs> yeah. I said, you need to go work on your fucking game. And I said that in the video and I wasn't even trying to coin a freeze. That was not planned. I was just talking. It was just coming off the top. And just natural. Yeah, people heard that and they started repeating it back to me, like work on your game or work on your fucking game. And people started repeating it in the comments and I would see people out in the mall in Miami and somebody would say it. And I'm like, all right, people are really catching on to this. So it took me about a year to really notice it. But by, about a year later, I went and you know, started actually branding it and using it all the time and saying it in all my videos and trademarking it and all of that. So it actually came from me just telling the players, like, you know, stop watching the game. You got to go work on your game. That's the only way you're going to get good. And that's where it came from. And then it just took off from there. Right. Now, when did that transition from just dealing with athletes go from, you know, just dealing with athletes to now you're doing TEDx talks, you're speaking in, you know, national conferences and things like that. How did that, when did that thing, when did that start taking off for you? About 2010. So this three-year right. period was the, the pivotal period for me. So mind you, I'm still playing ball. I played ball till 2015. So in 2010, I just got the idea because I will always, one thing about me, I always would read all the comments and I would always reply to all the comments on YouTube. Now, these days, I'm not sure that's a healthy thing to do for anybody's mental health, but back not in the at day, all. <laughs> yeah, back in the day, I would respond to, I still, to this day, I still read and reply to all the comments. So this is where I got a lot of ideas from, but I noticed that players, once they found out about my story, like where I came from, even though they did want me to show them, hey, here's how you don't, here's how you shoot a three-pointer, here's how you dribble. A lot of them were asking me about my mindset. They were just asking, them, what was your thought process when you got cut from your high school team three years in a row? Or what were you thinking when you only played D3 college and you were trying to play overseas? Like, what, how did you have, stay confident? How did you keep believing in yourself when your parents didn't kind of, they kind of didn't see that you were going to try to make it in basketball because it didn't make sense. And I noticed that they really wanted the mindset for me. They appreciated the basketball, but a lot of people were asking about the mindset. So I, yes. I decided one day, I just made this quick little video and I said, look, every Monday, I'm gonna start doing this video called the weekly motivation. And all I'm gonna do is just talk about some mindset tip because some of you, so many of you ask me about mindset. So every week, I'm gonna just talk about something that's mindset related. And y'all just let me know in the comments if you want me to do this every Monday. 
and the response was overwhelming. Yeah, like, like, yeah, I feel yeah, like yeah, I'm talking to, to Eric Thomas, right? Is the is this another hip hop preacher, guys? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm far from a preacher, but right. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Eric but that's Thomas. what you know. That's how he yeah. started, though. That's how he started. It was like something like every Monday, and now he's like number one speaker right. of the world, something like that. But God, I didn't mean to cut you off, but it's like I just have to get that out. So I feel like I'm talking to my man Et. <laughs> Right. Yeah, I did a video with him in uh, 2012, as a matter of fact. It's on YouTube. Oh, no good. But, yeah, uh, yeah. Wait, yeah, so, yeah, so I just asked them, and people said, yeah, just talk about some mindset thing. So every, so every Monday, I would just make this little video. I'd just be talking, and it would be, I'm talking two to five-minute video, just talking about some mental game thing. And I would just come up with something off the top of my head and just make it. I might be driving. I might be walking. I was just thinking something off the top, make it. I did the weekly motivation every week for about 400 Mondays in a row. And wow. that, those videos laid the foundation for uh, now I had the work on your game podcast, the work on your game book, the mirror of motivation, the book that you read. Those right. videos laid the foundation for a lot of the material that I have put out to this very day. And when I started talking about those mental game things, Oswan, to answer your question, mm -hmm. what happened is people who were not athletes started finding those videos. They started watching them. So I had people who weren't playing ball now watching my content because at this point, all I've been doing is talking about basketball and doing drills and stuff like that. So nobody who didn't play ball was paying attention to me. But now I started getting non-athletes and they would say, Dre, look, I'm not trying to learn how to dunk. I don't want to go to the NBA, but I still follow your material just to watch that one video every Monday. I ignore everything else you put out because I'm not trying to do a crossover dribble, but <laughs> you put out that video every Monday, I'm watching that because that thing like, it be, it's hitting. It's hitting when you talk about that mental game stuff. So this planting a seed in my mind that there's a whole world of people out there I could serve, even if they never picked up a ball before. So that told yes. me, all right, this, this is what I'm going to do when I'm done playing ball. So I already knew that five years before my career was over. Right, right. And well, that, that leads me to my next point is because I love that story and it's very, very similar to mine and a lot of folks that have been on the show. What advice can you give the next athlete coming up who is really like you who is in those really small corners those forgotten schools where especially with covid the programs might probably have a good chance of being cut and probably never coming back because i don't know there's probably a lot of people that can't that won't be able to survive this financial pro this financial mess that we're all in <laughs> but what advice mm -hmm. can you give athletes that really have to live through that and they're listening right now and they see what they see what you're doing what advice can you give them now Establish your name, establish your brand. Nowadays, uh, I just seen this post somebody put on Twitter actually today when we were recording this, and it was like the top 10 things young kids want to grow up to be. Now, I don't know where the source was. Maybe they made it up. I don't know. But the number one thing was YouTuber. Mm -hmm. Number two was like blogger slash influencer. Number three was, oh, I can't remember what the third one was, but it was all like internet type things. It wasn't like a Are doctor you, or those, those were the things that people want to be now? Number one thing was YouTuber. And I believe that. Oh I believe goodness. that because <laughs> my sister has kids and her daughter, my niece, they're like 13, mm -hmm. 14. And she texted my sister, texted me one day and said, Hey, your niece wants to be a YouTuber growing up. And she was looking at your YouTube channel. And so I 100% believe that a lot of kids want to be YouTubers now. Wow. They don't want to be doctors, yeah. lawyers, politicians. You know, they don't athletes, yeah. they don't even want to do that. They want to be YouTubers because it, it looks easy, right? You just do it from your phone, from your house, your bedroom. You ain't got to leave the house. Yeah. So yeah. to the athletes out there, I would say, you know, establish your brand and figure out, this is the most important thing, especially if you want to be relevant in the business world is figure out your frameworks. And there the framework go. is 
the experience that you have that is relevant to you to where nobody else can say it because they don't have the same experience that you have. But how can you translate it over to someone who is, has never been a swimmer, never ran track, never played football, never picked up a basketball? How can you create a framework from there that makes sense to people, even if they never did that thing that you did and they can benefit from it, even though they're mm -hmm. not an athlete? That is, has been the key for me stepping into the business world is having the framework of what I learned in sports and translating it over to the entrepreneurs and the business professionals. Excellent. Excellent. And, and that brings me to the next point is I want to be very respectful of your time. So there's going to be like the final point is what's next. I know you, you had a coaching program that you starting up and there's ways that you can, you know, people can engage with you. Just tell people, you know, what's next and what's coming down the pipeline. Man. So what's next is, well, I'm, I'm finishing a book right now. So I have actually two books going to be coming out this year. I'm going to put them out at the same time. So one of them is, is done. The other one I'm actually finishing writing on. I might finish it today, but it'll definitely, I'll be finished the writing this week, but it's not going to come out for, it'll be a couple months before that this, these books come out. But then after right. that, it's really going to be focusing on just getting the, the message, spreading the philosophy of working your game out there because I am a creator at heart, but a lot of times mm -hmm. creators, sometimes they put so much time into creating stuff, but they don't focus enough on the, the marketing and spreading the message. So that's really going to be my main focus is just spreading the message and making sure people know my name. They know about the work on your game framework and know the value and the benefits of it. That's going to be really the next thing that I do. Uh, as far as you asking, how can you know, people get in touch and all that? I'm on all the social media platforms. I have a bunch of books. Uh, you can get those. You can just go to mirrorofmotivation.com. That's the first book of mine that everybody should get, Mirror of Motivation. And I'm going to have more coming. So they'll, those will be announced in due time. Uh, those are the things that I have available for everybody to get in. I do offer coaching. I wasn't going to do a group coaching program, but it didn't quite have the kind of traction that I wanted. So I, I held off on that for now. But I do offer one-on-one -on -one coaching with people. If you just go to dreallday.com, there's a big button right there at the top of the website where you can uh, put in the application and have a one-on-one -on -one call with me. And we can go from there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And all of this will be included in the show notes as well. Uh, final thing I do, Dre, with all my guests is this thing I call word association. I'm going to say four words oh, and like you this. just give me a quick, a quick one word response of what you think right. of when you hear these four words. You're going to like them though. Don't worry about it. All right. All right. I'm ready. All right ready? Mm -hmm. Word number one, persistence. Show up. Word number two, levels. To this shit. <laughs> There's levels to this shit. <laughs> Love it. Levels to this shit. All right. Third word, basketball. Hmm. Game. This is the first thing I think, game. Damn right, damn right. And the final word is freedom. Opportunity. Love it, love it, love it. All right, now before I officially close, I'm going to give you the mic if there's any parting words, anything. I mean, you drop... A ton of gems. I think people are gonna get they're gonna get an understanding that just as, as an athlete, you are so much more that they're just gonna see light at the end of the tunnel. I know a lot of you guys are struggling, you're stuck in that circle, but I think you've kind of opened the door and you kind of cracked some windows or something for someone listening in to say, I could be more than this, even if I'm at a junior college or if I'm at a D3 or wherever I'm at, there's a, where there's a will, there's a way. So I'm gonna give you the mic for a second. Any parting words, just go ahead. I want everyone to understand that uh, 
it's a game out here. And the reason my company's called Work On Your Game, what makes it good is that even though I come from sports, everybody has a game, even if you never play a sport ever in your life. Politics is a game. You know, working in the office building is a game. Podcasting is a game. And your job out here, everyone listening, is to learn the rules of the game, see what's working in the game, see what's not working in the game. And you got to learn how to play the game. Sometimes in life, there are things you'll be able to change, but there are things that you won't be able to change and you'll need to adjust. You'll need to learn how to navigate through the, the jungle that it is out here in this world. Everything is not going to be perfect. Not every person is going to operate the way you want them to operate, but uh, nobody's ever advanced themselves far in life by complaining, bitching, and moaning. You advance yourself by learning the rules of the game, learning how to work the game. And what hustlers do is they learn how to work the system. Hustlers learn how to play the game. If hustling means you learn how to you know, make some money on YouTube so you can put your way through college, then you do that. If hustling means doing enough schoolwork so you can get a C, so you can get your degree, so you can stay eligible and play your sport because you don't really care about school. Listen, I'm not going to try to make you care about school. Let's keep it real. Do the hustle. Do what you got to do so you can do what right. you want to do. So right. this is the understanding the game. Understand what the game is. Hustlers learn how to play the game, whereas losers, they complain about the game. So you got to decide which one you want to be. Mike officially drops on that one. All right, fellow teammates, continue to move swiftly. We'll talk more soon. Kane is in the building. Fuck with Hollywood code, I'm with Marla G, bro. Flying Holly Grow chicks to my Hollywood shows. And I wanna tell you something that you probably should know. This that slum dog, millionaire Bollywood flowing up. Uh, my real friends never hearing from me. Fake friends write the wrong answers on the mirror for me. That's why I pick and choose. I don't get shit confused. I got a small circle, I'm not with different crews. We walk the same path, but got on different shoes. Live in the same building, but we got different views. I got a couple cars I never get to use. Don't like my women single, I like my chicks in twos. And these days, all the girls is down the road. I hit the strip club and all them bitches find a pole. Plus, I've been sipping, so this shit is moving kinda slow. Just tell my girl to tell a friend that it's time to go. Now tell me how you love it You know you at the top and on the heavens right above it We own It's young money, motherfucker If you ain't running with it, run from it, motherfucker Alright Now somebody show some money in this bitch And I got my bees with me like some honey in this bitch You dig? I got my gun in my boot purse And I don't bust back because I shoot Meet me on the fresh train Yes, I'm in the building You just on the list of guest names And all of my riders do not give a fuck X games Guns turn you boys into pussies Sex change And I smoke till I got chest pains And you niggas know I rep my gang like Jesse James Women are possessive And they wanna possess Wayne I've been fly so long I fell asleep on the fucking plane Skinny pants and some vans Call me Triple A, get my advance in advance Amen, as the world spinning dance in my hands Life is a beach, I'm just playing in the sand uh, 
Wake up and smell a pussy You niggas can't see me But never overlook me I'm on the paper trail And ain't no telling where it took me Yeah, and I ain't a killer But don't push me But no tell me how you love it You know you at the top And on the heavens right above it We own It's young money, motherfucker If you ain't running with it Right from me, motherfucker Never said beautiful black woman. I bet that bitch look better red. Whipping off tour cause I made more off my second leg. Motherfucking Birdman Junior, 11th grade. Ball on automatic start. I can hand it to Drake or do a quarterback draw. Wildcat offense, check the paw prints. We in the building, you niggas in apartments. Uh, not, not come on, be my blood donor. Flow so nice, you ain't gotta put a rug on her. Do it big and let the small fall under that Damn, where you stumble at? From where they make gumbo at? Hang got the fucking beat jumping like a jumping jack And you know me, I get on this bitch and have a heart attack Hip-hop, I'm the heart of that Nigga, nothing short of that President Carter, Young Money Democrat